my friends, and welcome to episode two of Geek Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Darth Anna. Um, thank you again for joining me, and thank you so much for those of you who have listened to uh, episode one of Why I Support Beto O'Rourke. I am waiting on Apple um, to approve my podcast submission to their the voluminous library of podcasts. So I'm still waiting on that. So once I hear from them, I will definitely tweet you guys out and give you a heads up. Um, like I said, I can be found on Twitter, Darth Anna seven, seven. So today we're going to be switching gears a little bit. Um, we'll still have a little bit of, um, political overtones, uh, but we're going to talk a bit more geek today. And so today's episode, episode two, is entitled Star Wars and Star Trek, The Best of Both Worlds. And I'm going to start this episode off by sharing a little bit about me and my life. And the reason why is because a part of me of the way that I am today, uh, the way my personality is, is partly shaped by, um, you know, by my involvement in the, uh, both franchises in the fandom that is. So, um, and that's why I want to give a little bit of background of how I got into, um, uh, into both. So I have been a longtime fan of both Star Wars and Star Trek. Um, I started watching Star Trek when I was about five years old, um, I will actually be 42 <laughs> tomorrow on the 12th. So I will have been watching, um, Trek for 37 years, which is a very long time. Um, so, um, my favorite character was, and still is of the entire Star Trek franchise, as I'm sure it is for many people is Mr. Spock, the half Vulcan half-human science officer of the USS Enterprise and obviously went on to become Captain Spock and then Ambassador Spock, as everyone knows. So I really related to his character because I always felt like an outsider uh, from a social standpoint. I had a very strong family, um, you know, loving family background. And just socially, I had a really hard time. I was bullied a lot. I was very shy. I was this tall, skinny kid that was a whole head, you know, taller than everybody else, at least for a while. And I was also, uh, uh, or I should say I am in de deaf in one ear, um, as a result of having an acoustic neuroma, which is now known as a vestibular schwannoma. And I'll cover that in a future podcast. But, um, you know, obviously that made it very difficult for me and I didn't say much. Um, and, you know, to my parents and I was kind of the suffer in silence kind of kid. And But uh, I, I went to a co Catholic school and I was stuck with the same class from kindergarten to eighth grade. And I just found it very hard to relate to others, um, you know, because I, you know, I was bullied a lot. And so I found solace, um, you know, obviously other than my family, um, in Star Trek and in particular Spock's character. And I always tried to be without emotion so that I wouldn't be hurt from this consistent bullying. And, you know, of course, the majority of the time I would miserably fail. Um, I remember coming home 
um, day in and day out trying to be strong and without emotion. And sometimes I would succeed, but like I said, you know, majority of the time, you know, I would just break down in tears and I would tell my folks. And really it wasn't until high school that I really learned how to deal with bullies and kind of put them back in their place. And, you know, a lot of this was not physical. It was more, it was from the verbal psychological um, type of bullying and which, you know, can be just as damaging as, as physical bullying. So, um, you know, so in any case, I did learn how to defend myself and, you know, in college, forget about it. The, the gloves came off figuratively, of course. So, and you know, the rest is history. So, uh, you know, and, and I have, want to share that again, because that's, that's very pivotal in terms of my involvement in, you know, in sci-fi fandom and, you know, specifically Star, Star Wars, Star Trek. So, and that's why I wanted to give you guys the background. Um, I, you know, anybody that knows me extremely well, and I'm talking about for a number of years, I mean, they will tell you that I am like a mega geek, <laughs> When it comes to talking about Star Trek and Star Wars and good friend of mine and I, and we've known each other for 20 plus years. And, um, we did a Star Wars trivia night and, you know, one of these local grill and bar places here in San Antonio. And then I affectionately called our two person team, the aluminum Falcon. And for those of you who don't know, robot chicken has done a fair share of Star Wars skits. So that's where the name <laughs> came from. So, you know, as my friend put it, it really was a one person show because I was answering all the questions while my buddy is just sitting there, you know, having a beer and just kind of amused like, oh my God, Anna, how do you freaking know this? This, this, all this knowledge of Star Wars and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. So Aluminum Falcon placed seven in a team of some 30 odd teams. And um, they, uh, as far as a movie trivia, I had it all correct. Now, where they got me was the extended novel trivia and the video games. And, you know, I didn't really play much the video games other than the original um, game. You guys probably remember the one that you can sit in and um, it was completely like black and, you know, um, and they would have the... uh, Oh my gosh. It, it, it was, I guess it would have been like the X-Wing, uh, fighter cockpit. I know you guys know what I'm talking about, but it was, I just remembered very, very, um, you know, uh, vaguely, but it, it would have been back in the, in the 1980s. But anyhow, I love that game. And of course the, um, the arcade game that came out, I want to say in early, 2000, maybe late nineties. So pretty much other than that, I didn't know much. So, um, so yeah, it's a little bit of background on that. Um, and oddly enough, my love for Star Trek is what got me into watching, um, Star Wars. And I didn't start watching Star Wars, uh, probably till I was about nine or 10. Um, my earliest memory is of watching Return of the Jedi. And I remember being afraid of the Emperor, his creepy yellow eyes and those bolts of lightning he could shoot out of his fingernails. So, or I should say fingers. And so, yeah, but, uh, I've always maintained, you know, through the years, I've always maintained an allegiance, um, to both franchises. And, um, I have to say that, you know, neither franchise is perfect. And I haven't always agreed with the direction of the portrayal, some of the characters, 
that either franchise has taken. But again, my allegiance and my love, you know, for both remain because let's face it, the good of, um, the good of both far outweighs the bad and, you know, nothing is perfect in life. And I think people tend to forget that, you know? So over the years with that interest, um, I do have to say I'm rather mind boggled by the naysayers of the franchises, um, pessimism and what I like to call wannabe movie critics have become very commonplace, um, most especially due to social media in my day, uh, growing up, luckily that toxicity of social media wasn't around and I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, and it's not to say that all social media is bad because it isn't, but if you use it in a productive way, it can be powerful. It can be positive. Uh, with star Wars, people complain incessantly about the new trilogy and the, the, the sequel trilogy, um, you know, and how social justice warrior oriented it is. And, you know, and, and we saw the same thing with the prequels, but people, Quite frankly, if these individuals have been really paying attention, at least from a political standpoint, this has been one of the most important themes present in Star Wars, the idea of of hope, the idea of resistance to this, you know, this horrible, you know, figure. I mean, and we we certainly see that today in, in, in American politics, there's this really awesome meme of, um, Palpatine that has been circulated around, um, in social media. And it's, it includes his various appearances, uh, with the prequels and return of the Jedi. And it has him, the original picture has Palpatine, this middle age, seemingly charismatic Senator, then Supreme Chancellor, and then self-declared Emperor. And then it says on there, like, towards the bottom, because you sort of see the, you know, the the changes of Palpatine from this, like, really sweet guy to this, like, hideous yellow creature, you know, that zaps lightning out of his hands. And, and it actually says that's why it is important to vote. And I thought it was a really awesome meme, and I actually saw it first saw it when um, not long after tr uh, President Trump won, and I'm using that in quotations because as I discussed last time, I don't think he really won. Um, so in any case, um, you know, you if you don't vote, you're going to end up with this monster, or I should say, if you don't vote responsibly, you're going to end up with this monster that cares only for power and again, which is something that we're now seeing in, you know, in our government here in America. So um, I'd have to say the same has to be said for Star Trek. Um, we probably seen it more recently here with Star Trek Discovery. Um, my favorite Star Trek series is obviously the original series because it is the original um, followed very closely by The Next Generation and Star Trek Discovery. I absolutely love the direction that Discovery has gone in. We have such wonderful, strong female characters. Um, we have Burnham. Um, you know, we have the Admiral. We have Tilly. You know, we have wonderful, wonderful characters. 
And, you know, we also have a strong LGBTQ presence, um, you know, namely with Stamets and Culver's relationship, which I absolutely love that, you know. And, um, you know, one of the things, though, that I would love to see in Star Trek is a very strong Latina lead in Star Trek, in, in Star Trek. So that's where I think maybe Star Trek needs a little work. Um, they're not as well represented in Star Trek universe as maybe Star Wars is. Um, now, and I, I, I'm going to have to backtrack a little bit because they do have one Latina, um, but she's not portraying a Latina. So I would like to see a Latina portraying a Latina. So, um, and that's uh, Zoe Saldana, and she plays uh, uh, Lieutenant Nyota Uhura. Um communications officer on the Star Trek reboot series, the Kelvin timeline. So I love her. I think she's a, she's a great Uhura, but it would just be awesome to see a Latina playing a Latina. So, um, but you know, I understand the importance of Uhura's character and, and she did beautifully. So I, I, but I would like to see that, um, to get better representation of Latinas in, um, Star Trek. And, and we have had other Latinos and, Ricardo Montalban, which is a, a Mexican or was a Mexican actor, he portrayed Khan Noonien Singh, uh, but he, he was a 90s Indian dictator. Uh, Robert Beltran from uh, Star Trek Voyager, who played Chakotay, and of course, Wilson Cruz as Dr. Colbert. So, you know, we do have some representation, but I think that it could be better, um, you know. So, uh, as far as Star Wars, they do have, and it's a little bit difficult with that because of, it's supposed to take place in another galaxy and earth is not at all included in that, but I have noticed that they have more representation of Latinos. We had Jimmy Smith's, um, from the prequels as Bell Organa, uh, Veronica Segura, who was, uh, Corday, which was, uh, Padme Amidala's, uh, one of her, um, I think she was one of her aides, Diego Luna, uh, who was Cassian Andor from Rogue One, and uh, most recently Oscar Isaac, uh, Poe Dameron, to name a few, and then the gentleman as well from Narcos, uh, and his name escapes me for for the life of me. But anyways, I mean, he's in the Mandalorian, which is a new series that they're going to be releasing here pretty soon. So, um, you know, so yeah, so as a Latina you know, as a bilingual Latina, I would love to see, I cannot <laughs> say this with more conviction. I would love to see a, a, a Latina somewhere in there. So, um, and so moving forward, um, the, one of the things that I have noticed the animosity that I have seen towards both franchises has been related to the inclusion of underrepresented groups. Um, in this case, women, LGBTQ minorities, you know, um, one has to really wonder about the state of state of society when the inclusion of these groups comes into question and it's received with such hate and, and lack of tolerance. So this is one of the absolutely most wonderful things about Star Trek and about Star Wars. And they continue to push against the intolerant, to try to make it as, as equal as, a, as possible. And I have to applaud them for that. Uh, both provide optimism towards a, I would say, a more inclusive, a more productive 
uh, future uh, on this aspect. And Star Trek, I think, might take this a little bit further. Uh, I recently watched Star Trek um, First Contact for like the thousandth time. Uh, It's like my all-time favorite TNG movie. Um, And I love the scene where Picard is escorting Lily and through the uh, Enterprise E. And they are in... He's explaining to her that in 24th century that money is no longer the driving force of society, but rather the betterment of oneself. And I thought, oh my God, that would be so awesome right now. It would be so freaking awesome that we can only hope that the human race pushed forward in that fashion. I would love to see, you know, our own society, American society, our government pushing that. Because I can tell you right now that, especially with one particular political party, the driving force is money and power. And, and that's a sad thing, especially when this interferes with people's rights, with human rights. You know, so, you know, that's one of the things that I have to say that that both franchises positively, um, you know, um, affect society. So in any case, I do want to talk about because I have had the opportunity to meet some actors from um, the Star Wars and Star Trek franchise. And I want to talk about two people in particular because I think they're absolutely wonderful. Um, Ian McDermott, who plays the Emperor, Palpat- uh, Emperor Palpatine in, in Star Wars. And Doug Jones, who plays um, Commander Saru in Star Trek Discovery. So I'm going to start off first um, with giving you um, a little insight on... Uh, when I met, uh, the times I met Ian McDermott. So, um, I have to say that he is hands down one of the nicest actors I have ever met. Um, I first met Ian back in late 2006 in New York city. Um, he was performing with Ray Fiennes in, um, Faith Healer as, as well as Cherry Jones now, let me tell you about a super geekasm, guys. Had I known, had had someone told me that that night I was going to meet Emperor Palpatine and Lord Voldemort within several minutes of each other, I wouldn't have believed it. But it happened, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I was able to articulate words uh, oddly enough, <laughs> despite being really nervous. I wasn't as articulate with Doug Jones, but we'll get to that. But in any case, yeah. So <clears throat> Ian McDermott, uh, actually won a Tony for his performance in Faith Healer as Teddy, which is the name of his character. And he was such a joy to speak to. He's just such a sweet man. And, um, he had made, he had signed my playbill and he was talking to me, you know, as we were, you know, as he was signing and he moves on to the person next to me. And, um, he, the individual who gave him the playbill, uh, didn't have a pen. So he looks over at me and says, Oh dear. He's like, may I borrow your pen again? And I'm like, Oh my God, absolutely. And this, I mean, I'm a huge pen freak and I'm sure some of you guys are as well. Um, I have a lot of pens. I love pens. And so I had this one particular blue pen that I had and I absolutely freaking loved it. And so he says, he's signing the, you know, the playbill. And then he turns over and, you know, and looks at the pen and he's like, Oh my God, this is such a lovely color. And you know, Oh, 
this is a wonderful color of blue. And so, sorry guys, I do a really bad British accent, as you can tell. Uh, so yeah, so um, he gives me back the pen. I came so close to giving him the pen, but I love that freaking pen so much. Um, yeah, so I took it back, but it was such a lovely exchange. And, you know, I think, uh, Revenge of the Sith had just been out for not even a year. And so, yeah, it was such a, such a joy to speak to him. And I met him again in, uh, uh, two years ago here at, um, here in San Antonio, Alamo city comic con. Um, he made a bunch of jokes about Trump um, during this, uh, fundraiser they had with, uh, the Peter Mayhew foundation and during his con panel. And let me tell you something, guys, being from Texas, uh, you know, you have a lot of Trump supporters here. I I hate to say it. I mean, you do, you do have a lot of anti Trump people as well, but there are a lot of vocal pro Trump supporters. So, you know, um, his jokes were met with some um, scattered <laughs> laughter. So in any case, so after um, the second day and after his panel, I went over to go and get, um, I had a uh, Palpatine doll and I wanted him to sign it. And, and so I went over to his table and we were just chit-chatting and talking about, um, about, uh, faith healer. And I told him, I said, Mr. McDonough, I said, you know, we've, we've met before about 11 years ago. And he's looking at me with his, I mean, he's got these beautiful blue eyes and he's looking at me like trying to place me like lady, I don't know who you are or where we met. And I told him, you know, in, in joking fashion, I said, Oh, I wouldn't remember me either, Mr. McDermott. And he just kind of chuckled and he's like, uh, he was about to speak. And I told him, I said, well, I'm sure you've, you've met, um, you know, thousands of people. So it's, it's difficult to remember, you know, unless it's someone who's kind of out there and he chuckled again and we went on talking and I, I bent over and I told him, I said, by the way, I really enjoyed your Trump jokes. And, uh, he, uh, smiled really big and he thanked me and, he joked with me that he was going to be arrested later. And I told him, I said, you know what? They do that. I'll be cheering you on. And so will many others. And I told him, I said, contrary to belief, there are Texans out there that do not agree with him and are disgusted by the state of our state's politics. So, you know, he smiled really big again and thanked me again. And, um, I had on this really cool t-shirt and it said at the bottom, I am, I am the Senate. And, um, it had, the it was a picture essentially of part of our American Senate, um, and then it had on each of the um, heads was Palpatine. So, yeah. So I told him I said, "Hey, I said Mr. McDermott, I said, what do you think of my T-shirt?" And he just sat back and he just started laughing. He's like, "Oh my God!" He's like, "That's an original." So he, you know, and he just was, you know, very humored by it, and I could tell that he really appreciated. The fact that, um, you know, that there was someone who appreciated his jokes. So he was so awesome. Um, I got to say, very humble, very sweet. Nothing like his character, I have to say. So, yeah. And so I actually went back that very next day and I got that T-shirt signed by him. And uh, he signed it and I, I now have it here in in my bedroom up on display. So yeah, so that was a wonderful, wonderful, um, experience that I had with, uh, with, uh, Mr. McDermott. So I don't think he will ever listen to this podcast, 
But uh, if he does, thank you, Mr. Ian McDermott, for being a super badass individual. And I am so glad that you are a member of Resistance, even though you are the Emperor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so so there's that, that story. And I do want to move along to um, Doug Jones, and he plays Commander Saru of Star Trek Discovery. He's also been in um, the Hellboy movies, um, the older movies, not the, not the new ones, but he played Abe Sapien. Um, he, he's been in... Um, uh, the Shape of Water, he was Amphibian Man, and he's been in a slew of different movies and um, TV shows. And I actually met him earlier this year um, it, uh, in Laredo here in Texas, uh, the end of January. And another guy, he was just absolutely sweet, uh, just very, very lovable, very, I mean, he just emanates such positive energy and, um, I think that, uh, my friend who's not a very big con <laughs> individual, this is the same friend that was part of aluminum Falcon. Um, so he was telling me, he's like, Oh my God. He's like, I really enjoyed his panel because he was very animated. Doug Jones was very animated, very humble, very, um, you know, very loving and very willing to answer all the questions, you know, that people had in the, in, in the panel. And there were some that were really kind of ridiculous, but he was so sweet enough to, to, you know, to answer these questions. So, you know, and I've met other, other actors from the Star Wars franchise and Star Trek franchise and, you know, but those two are the most memorable to me. And just because of their demeanor, the way they interacted with fans, my interaction with them and just their willingness to discuss their life and discuss their, you know, how they got into the, into the respective franchises. So the way I see it, guys, instead of focus, focusing on what you think should be better or on the negative, I think we need to cherish both franchises, because both teach very valuable lessons about humanity, about empathy, about acceptance. And I can tell you, again, that a small part of the way I am today was shaped by both Star Trek and Star Wars and my involvement with both fandoms. So I can only hope that in this day and age, you know, many more will be affected in this positive manner. So, um, we can only hope that. So thank you again, my friends for listening again. You can follow me on Twitter as Darth Anna seven, seven may the force be with you live long and prosper until next time. <laughs>